0: Let's all go to the lobby, let's all go to the lobby, let's all go to the lobby
1: to get ourselves a treat.
0: Hello, welcome to episode number 13, lucky number 13 of Film Fight with Mitch Spinell and Mikey Rogers coming to you from the studio again. How you doing, Mikey? Hi, Mitch. Oh, I don't think I've ever been this happy. Yeah, you haven't said that in a while. Yeah, I assume you haven't been doing well, and now you've finally gotten back to a state of happiness. I'm happy for you. So, <laughs> so we wanted to talk about some stuff before we get into our debate this week, and we kind of came up with this debate on the fly uh, because of some stuff that came out in the don't last. Don't reveal few days. our
1: secrets. No, we had this totally planned months sure. in advance. I,
0: I'm I'm a, I'm a person who likes to be honest. So anyway, <laughs> um, we wanted to talk about some movies or one movie that we saw this past weekend. I saw a few and then we get into the debate. So Mikey, let's get into the movie that we talked about, uh, this past Sunday night we saw in a serviceably false, uh, uh, theater I don't think it was like completely packed but I think it was, I was like probably about
1: 85 percent full of a yeah big, it was a big theater yeah like, there's a lot of seats in this one
0: so we went and saw what is now currently I believe the number one movie right now in the country and that is Uncharted which stars Tom Holland as the eponymous video game character Nathan Drake before we get into the review
1: yes something about the movie is interesting to me mm-hmm. it's a summer blockbuster but it came out in February
0: sure Because I think it's such a packed summer that I don't know if they decided that uh, Uncharted need to come come out in February. Because February has kind of become a weird sort of, like... You get some
1: interesting movies that come out then.
0: Yeah, I think Deadpool helped usher in that era when it broke the box office a few years back.
1: I mean, if you think about it, your your Christmas releases are are nearing their end or are done. And then you have this, like, wide open time slot. And people, typically around Valentine's Day and, and, you know, some of the other holidays that happen in February, I mean... I mean, it makes sense to sure. have a release like that. Yeah, like,
0: sure. January is dump month. And then yeah. February, you get like one or two sizable movies coming out. And then once you get to April and May, that's when things start things, to really roll. Yeah,
1: it kicks up and picks up.
0: But we went and saw what is now. I wonder how it was doing at the box office because now it looks like it's over 50 some million, if I can get this right.
1: And that's after opening weekend?
0: Yes. so it, That's not too, too bad. No. It's not,
1: and, not in the times that we're in right now.
0: No, and what was I looking at here? Uncharted. Is
1: that just American box office or is that global? No,
0: well, global right now, I think, is over $100 million right now.
1: Okay, that, that, that on seems a budget,
0: right. On a budget of, this is according to, what is it? Uh, yeah, this is according to Wiki, so this may not be completely correct. But this is usually a reliable source for when I look up budgets and box office numbers. Budget of 90 million to 120 million. This does not include marketing, by the way. Uncharted is currently raked in over $143 million. This is according to Box Office Mojo and the numbers.
1: After opening?
0: Yeah. yeah that's
1: For pretty about, good. For about,
0: like, what, now a week? Yeah. Five days? Five days. I would say. Uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good because yeah. you'll go into your second weekend. I think they were expecting less at first. Yeah, it was projected to gross 25 to 35 million in the US and Canada. Uh... As well as thirty to forty million, if including President's Day, and then the movie ended up making forty-four million in three days and fifty-one million in four days. That's, Th- that's surpassing expectations. That's very good. Yeah. So it looks like we'll have a sizable hit for Sony, and I think there was a, a comment that was made uh, that now, yeah, it was um, Tom Rothman, the chairman of Sony Pictures Motion Picture Group, described Uncharted as a new hit movie franchise for Sony. So it looks like. We'll be getting more of these. Should things? <sighs>
1: I don't know. Play. Out? I mean, I'd like to. Okay. Before we get into the now, the question review. is:
0: Yeah, the question is now: Should we be getting more of these? Because we went and but, saw yeah. it. Yeah. Uh,
1: okay. Let me let me lead into this because okay. you're gonna have a lot more to say because you're also a fan of the video games. Yes. This is coming from a person's perspective. I've never played an Uncharted video game. I know the basic story because my girlfriend's obsessed with it. You're obsessed with it, mm-hmm. and it's a very it, it, it's a common pop culture thing. Uncharted. So I know about it right? I've just never sat and played the game. Um, from my perspective, it's a flawed movie, but it was an enjoyable watch. I had a good time. And I know that there's discrepancies between, you know, Tom Holland looks a little young to be playing Nathan Drake. Mark Wahlberg is definitely looks nothing like Solly from Mm -hmm. the video game. Um, but I truly did love the dynamic between Holland and Wahlberg uh, there are some things we'll, and we'll go through those we'll go through as we as you talk about kind of the plot of the movie a little bit we'll go through the things that i didn't necessarily care for um but overall to me it's a c plus b minus movie which to me it garners a sequel um and what we saw at the end of the movie i'd like to see more of that um and for somebody who doesn't know uncharted i had fun with it that's good. I had fun. I'm happy, you're, I'm happy you had fun and, with and it. And honestly, isn't that what the movies are about, right? Like, you, you want to go in and just... You, it's mindless, right? Like, you, you have fun. like. Yeah,
0: typically. I always say that a movie is always setting out to do one particular thing. To entertain, to inform, to persuade, to do all whatever that. And if it succeeds in that regard then it's a a success. It's an adventure film. It's a
1: treasure hunting film. And I had fun watching it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of going back and forth on this because like you said, Uncharted is one of Uncharted is one of my favorite video game franchises. And it
1: saved Sony from going bankrupt like five years ago.
0: Is that true? Yes. Yes. Oh. Okay. We'll
1: talk more about that off because I don't have yeah. the exact numbers yeah, 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 and, and yeah. the things. Okay. But.
0: Well, Uncharted was uh, obviously started in 2007 as like an adventure action gaming franchise, similar in the veins of like Tomb Raider. It's literally like what if Tomb Raider was with a dude, basically, and that dude is Nathan Drake, who is one of the most likable video game protagonists I think in recent memory, if not ever. Ever. There were three original games made from 2007 to 2011. All pretty solid games, you know. I don't think anybody would say they're bad games. They were very cinematic, uh, especially for their time, uh, with a, a, a very sprawling out story and good characters and, and witty dialogue between Isn't them.
1: Isn't there? Correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't play the games. Mm-hmm. Isn't there a lot of good cutscenes?
0: I mean, it's it's what adds to right. the cinematic experience with them. Is that? Uh, they they feel they honestly feel like movies, and especially with the fourth game that was made a little later on into the PlayStation 4 era that was made uh, by the people who did The Last of Us, which is a critically acclaimed game we talked about, I think, last week. That is a phenomenal game. I love everything about it pretty much, and I, always, I said it last week, I prefer it to The Last of Us 1. I know it's not a popular opinion, but that's my opinion, and it made me think, like, this literally feels like a movie that I am controlling at this very moment. It is unbelievable. So then you go into this movie, which has been in development hell since the latter part of the 2000s, if not the early part of the 2010s. So many directors have signed on and then dropped off different actors. Uh, They wanted to get like, at one point David O. Russell was going to do it with Mark Wahlberg as Nathan Drake, and then he becomes Sully later on, which is funny. You have people like uh, uh, Travis Knight, and I believe... um, who was the other guy that did it? Um, uh, the guy who did Real Steel, what, his, whatever his name is. And then finally they get Ruben Fleischer to do it. And Ruben Fleischer's kind of done like a lot of movies that have done pretty well with audiences and to an extent with critics. Uh, he did the two Zombieland films, uh, Venom, the first Venom movie, mm-hmm. and then uh, there was something else that he did and, that and I not think And you know what? Of.
1: This movie feels like it was his work. Uh, it's Because Venom won, I enjoyed it, but it... it it didn't hit the bar for me, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so we'll get back. We'll get into that. Sorry.
0: Yeah. Uh, I was with, yeah the other movies he's done is thirty minutes or less, or Gangsters and Gangster Squad, which came out uh, years and years ago. So my thoughts on this movie are: I knew it wasn't going to be perfect when I knew who was going to be behind it. When you get twenty-five-year-old youthful Tom Holland to play a guy, a, a, a character who looks to be a little more. Mature in a sense. And then you see Mark Wahlberg, you could be like, okay, at first, you'd be like, maybe if they age him up a little bit, he can play Sully. And then it literally is, is black hair, clean shaven Mark Wahlberg. I'm like, okay, uh, sure. And then you go and see the movie. It's fine. I think it's a fine movie. I gave it, uh, I think, a bronze rating just above fool, Fool's Gold, maybe two and a half out of five stars. But I think for myself, it's obviously not going to hold up to the standards of the video game, and I'm hoping that in the future they might try to lean more towards the more traditional feel of the game because I don't I don't want to. Do we do spoilers at all? We, we can. Just, I mean, let's just throw out some spoilers. Sure. And if you, if you want to go see the movie, go see it now and don't listen to anything from 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 forward. Um, at the end of the movie, there's two there's two credit sequences. One is uh, we find out the location of Nathan Drake's brother, Sam, who in the video game was not brought up until the fourth game, and it was out of nowhere, basically. Nathan Drake thought his brother was dead. He turns out he's alive. He becomes a central character in the fourth game. This one, they tease it right at the beginning that he leaves him when he he's a younger kid because he has to go somewhere. And the whole movie, they're saying like, oh, he's dead, he's dead. And then it turns out he's not dead. This one, they tease that. He's still in the Panamanian jail. And in the second cutscene is Tom Holland and Sully interacting with these guys who I love that by the way it's a it's a it's a pretty nice little scene mm-hmm. that I think leads into the events of the first game because they mention Roman they mention a Nazi uh an abandoned Nazi ship uh, which are elements of that first game back in 2007. That Have you played that one yet? Or nope. your girlfriend played it? You she got, has. She has. Yeah, I mean, she's obviously played it, but, like, you guys haven't sat down together and gone through it. No,
1: we're going to start doing that.
0: Though. I want to I be there when you guys play those games, man, because that seems like so much fun.
1: Yeah, I mean. Uh, so yeah, Go ahead. Sorry.
0: No, oh, that's okay. What were you going to say? I don't remember. That's okay. <laughs> uh, so, anyway.
1: Um, I'm very cold.
0: Yeah, so th- they tease the first game in it a little bit, and then the characters start to look like themselves, more like T- Holland's wearing like a raglan baseball tee, and then uh, Wahlberg's got the mustache, which Sully has in the game. He still has his dark hair, which it's not graying or anything like that, and I don't know.
1: Okay, I think you're being a little tough on this. You think so? Yeah, because keep in mind, we just saw Ghostbusters Afterlife together, <sighs> and that's what Uncharted could have been. You know what I mean? They could have done a little... A lot of the... Look, we added this in from the game. Look, we added this. And I know that they added elements from the games. Like, I I understand that, but... No, these
0: ones flowed a little bit. If they had references to the game, it flowed a little more easily. Except Uh, for one cameo, which I liked. Yeah, I could have
1: actually done without that. I'll spoil
0: it for you. Nolan North is makes a cameo appearance as a tourist... uh, On a beach. On the beach. When Holland and uh, the girl who plays Chloe in in this version... Uh, they come up on, out of the ocean, and they're like, the, it's the whole scene that you've seen in the trailer where he falls out of a plane, and through some way they survive, and then they're like, yeah, we just fell from a plane, and then Nolan North's like, you know what happened to me once? It's like, okay, yeah,
1: but at least it wasn't like, who are you gonna call? It was good to see him. Right. I
0: like, I'm li- I like that they added him in there. They had the the fade ins of the score, of the score, the best video game theme song ever, in my opinion. And but like I said, it's not like. They don't stop the movie to make the references. and Okay, I agree but with you on that.
1: when you when you boil the movie down, I mean, what what is the movie? D- not take Uncharted it's, out uh, of it. It's it's an adventure movie, uh, yeah. right? It, it's treasure it's a hunt tre- movie. It's a treasure hunt movie. It's the
0: same vein as like your Tomb Raiders, your National Treasures, your Indiana Jones. Okay,
1: so you you take this movie that's a treasure hunt movie. Take the fact that it has anything to do with Uncharted. Where mm-hmm. do you rate it between some of the, the the good ones versus the bad I, ones? I,
0: I said it. Um,
1: If Indiana Jones is your top... Indiana
0: Jones is number one. Right. Then probably National Treasure for me. Then this. And then...
1: But then what are your movies... Yeah, what are your movies under that? You got Tomb Raider, you got... I
0: mean, I don't know. I I could even put Romancing the Stone around this, maybe above this. I don't know. But Um, see,
1: you know what I mean? It feels like a middle of the pack. It doesn't feel like a bomb. Yeah. And what I liked about it is, yes, they took elements from the video game, but they made an origin story for Nathan Drake. I know. To make it make sense. Here, here's and the thing, though. The thing that gave it hope was that post-credits scene. Because if that's Maybe. what the next movie is going to be, you could tell the, the dynamic between Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. Oh, I think they have a good they, dynamic together. But, but at the end of it, it tightened up. And they, it was yeah. like very buddy cop and very fun. I will say the
0: first 15 to 20 minutes I told you worried me. It's a little rough. Because I'm like, okay, this... All right, if this doesn't feel like it. Try to get it going. Once you hit around the 50-minute to an hour mark, once... uh Nathan and Chloe go down uh, into the caverns of Barcelona Mm -hmm. that's where I'm like and the nightclub scene where I'm like okay this feels like it a little more this is I like this
1: my biggest complaint though for the film Mm -hmm. is usually with these treasure hunt movies they're more clever think about like the Da Vinci Code for example right which is based off of a book I understand think of Indiana Jones think of usually there's more clever ways to get to your objective usually the clues are a little bit better Mm -hmm. I (sighs) I didn't think that their take on history it could have been more. To me, it could have been more involved in history. It's
0: them trying to solve, to find uh, Magellan's gold, uh, right? I, and I feel his like his they, expedition they
1: could have used a little bit more. more the games like-
0: are known for their like co- kind of semi-complicated uh, puzzles mm-hmm. and like trying to solve
1: them. This didn't quite have that. No, and I again I don't know Uncharted. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend to know. Yeah. But from a movie standpoint. It just felt too safe. Yeah. It's like, yes, there was... And a, that's the
0: thing. It's that video games like Uncharted now can be can feel so cinematic that, like, I feel you would rather want to play the games and experience them firsthand rather than watching the movie.
1: To the audience out there, let's use Last Crusade as an example. Mm-hmm. The scene where... Um, that whole sequence where Indy and his dad are tied up together and then yeah. they have to go through the fireplace yeah. and all that entire 20 minute thing. And then she goes through and then they have to figure out how to move the wall. And then there's all the bugs and the, mm-hmm. the creatures. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. That was super clever. It was well shot. It was very, this uncharted's cleverness is very watered down. It's like, yeah. Oh, you take the crosses and click them together and there's your key. Mm-hmm. It, it just didn't feel. Now the part that I did think was kind of cool that when they found the other map, in, in the yes. catacombs, okay? Yes. And when they're on the plane and then they get off the plane and uh, what's her name, the character who falls asleep? Chloe. Chloe, when she falls asleep and uh, Nathan Drake is sitting there trying to figure out the coordinates for the treasure hunt, mm-hmm. what I did like is how the two crosses... Ended up being compasses and when they pointed together, that's the exact location of all the treasures. That that kind of reveal, I wish was I wish there was more of that in the film. And Nathan
0: solves that while Chloe is sleeping. Mm -hmm. And and I swear to you, when when he solves it, I thought this was gonna be a horrible moment Mm -hmm. when he's in bed, she wakes up the next morning. And she discovers it laying out the. He, he writes down the coordinates, like the latitude and longitude. Because it was like a trust exercise with the two of oh, them. Oh, I, I swear liked. to you, I was getting angry. I was like, "You're like that was such a cop this, out did way." Did this mother really just leave it out for her to find? Right. And then it's like, no, he hid it in the bottle of beer that was right next to <laughs> and it. And that was a nice. I'll reveal. give you that. I'll give him that. I'm like, okay. And he was and that like, was, "Nah, I got this." So did you Did you think that the the discovery of the treasure kind of felt a little anticlimactic? Because it's literally him. It's, it's Nathan Drake by himself riding a boat into a cave and then swimming into a thing and then all of a sudden the ships are there. Whereas if, if it would have been more like the game, you would have had Nathan and Sully there, maybe probably Chloe as well. And then you have the villains right behind them and then you have this amazing action sequence. Now granted, the action sequence at the end where they literally hitch the ships uh, from helicopters at the bottom. It and sounds fun. stupid. It does. It is a little stupid, but it is really
1: fun. I'll yeah, give them that. It, it is, and it's like you can knock it for that, but it's also fun, and you get a really fun fight because scene out tho- of it.
0: Because those ships, let me tell you something right now: those old ass <laughs> pirate ships, if, if they I, were
1: lifted from the sky in a helicopter, they would
0: disintegrate. They would, it, especially it, getting baked in the sun, what it looked uh, like they did for years. And you mentioned that it's was the it same
1: the, same shooting location as Pirates of the Caribbean. Was it Chrysler, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we I have to watch it, it.
0: I haven't seen it in a while. They meant they reference Indiana Jones and Jack Sparrow in this movie. I just, uh, I just and I did
1: it. like that, but I do yeah. hate the when the travel sequences. They do the Indiana Jones. Oh, that like was flight thing. I had no problem with that. I don't know. I just you could have I don't know.
0: It's a it's a, but it's, here's, a it's a world here, adventure. You
1: know? you know one thing that I don't think anybody will talk about with this movie that, that I enjoyed? What's that? Anytime they went to a new location, I like the like video game text that came up that's like Boston or oh, yeah, Barcelona what, or whatever. I think
0: that was the game font. Like I like it. Yeah. I it mean, was kind of cool. It, it's, it felt, you know, true. That's what I think. I as
1: there is, I do have one major complaint, though. Let's hear it. Okay. The, the, so the sequence when they first meet Chloe. Um, yes. It, where, is, that is that Spain? Is that where they're at? Uh,
0: I believe it's in Spain. I it's think in it's in Spain. It's in Barcelona.
1: Yeah. That stupid little running chase sequence, and then uh. they end up back at the car. I don't know. And it back at her car. I right? just think it wasn't shot right. Like, genuinely Maybe, think I it was know. just bad filmmaking. Like, I, I think there was
0: one scene where I think the continuity might have been off. Where it's like, how did he catch up to her from that spot? Uh, yeah. I think there was. I think I might have heard him say a line where I'm like, "Ooh, his accent might have slipped out in there," but I don't remember.
1: Yeah, but whatever. It's just small. That's small stuff. Again, yeah. I, it's not a movie that's ever going to be in contention for Best Picture. I also appreciate that.
0: I also appreciate that they. Especially with the first three Uncharted games, they were notorious for having like a a main villain to start off, and then they had like a major accomplice to them with them, and then by the by a certain point in the in the games, the accomplice would take over as the main bad guy Mm -hmm. after the first boss like dies or something, and that happened in this, yeah, and I like that where it's it's an original character, Joe Braddock, who's played by Tati Gabrielle. She spoiler kills. Santiago Moncada, who's played by uh, another uh, name, I'm gonna say very with an accent, Antonio Banderas. I like saying his name. Wait, like is that really
1: Antonio Banderas? Yeah, you didn't recognize him. Oh my him? god, no, he's gotten
0: old, huh? He's gotten old. I see. He but was, I liked him as the villain. He was fine in this. He was, I, he's it
1: wasn't special, but he yeah, was good.
0: He was fine, and then they kill him off, and then yeah, it's it's
1: basically she becomes like the main baddie then, and uh, I don't know. I just think you're a little tough on it because I think based on what we saw. And based on the transgression of the movie, and I'm going to include the post-credit scenes, yeah. I think there means that when they have a sequel for this movie, whenever it comes out, I think there's a very good shot that it's going to be I,
0: very good. I hope it's that's the case because, again, like I, I wonder if they can grow into these roles, though, because with, with Holland, I can't... Anticipate he's gonna grow like four more inches and start to look older until okay, he's like in his 40s. Maybe he's not. More like and maybe Drake.
1: he, but here's another thing Tom Holland didn't go to acting school. Okay. And that's okay. He doesn't have okay. to. No, listen here. He learned from Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. also did not go to acting school. I read an article about this the other day. Okay. And Robert RDJ told Tom Holland, like on set of Homecoming, he's like, the best way to learn is by doing. And one thing that I've liked about Tom Holland so far is every performance he does, he gets better and better and better, even if it's baby steps. Okay. Okay.
0: Um, I could see this. I hope this is like Spider-Man where the people who didn't like him out to start are liking him now. Yeah, I hope that's the case. And the
1: thing is, Nathan Drake and all of the stunts that were thrown into Uncharted Mm -hmm. could have been done very similar to how he did Spider-Man. And he didn't. He made Nathan Drake his own. Yes, and I think he'll take this movie as a, as a as a stepping stone. Now he did say he was going to take a break from acting for a little bit.
0: I, I think he might. Try. I think he's just tired Who from knows? all the press tours. Who knows? He
1: did have two giant movies this yeah, year. He did. Maybe he'll take three months off and be like, "Okay, I'm ready to go back to work." Maybe you know he's such a big name at this point. Whatever. You,
0: well, you mentioned that he he didn't make himself seem like Spider Man. How about in during the plane scene when he finally gets back up to? The platform of the back of the plane, and he and he has and he strikes a pose that looks similar to Spider-Man.
1: How can you not though? No,
0: I I, I don't. I I don't think that was on purpose. No, just I don't blame him for that. But
1: like he plays, he has the American accent, and he plays a youthful young adventurer. You know what I mean? He could have done it very similar to Spider-Man, and it was different. Right? It was not like
0: he's not like a naive kid. And
1: dude, I am telling you, I loved what I saw from the post-credit scene. It, okay. They was quick with dialogue. Okay. It was quick camera shots. It was it was it was over dramatic in a way because yeah. it's like ooh the bad guy, and then I Tom like, Holland's just yeah. making fun of him the whole time. I
0: like the second one more than the the first credit scene. Yes, because it's like you got if you if you do Sam for one of these future movies, you got to get it right too because Troy Baker does a phenomenal job. And I I, I I get that's why I'm I I don't mean to be hard on the movie because I didn't hate it. I just think of it as like. If you're gonna do Uncharted, which is such a cinematic experience for a video game, I would hope you would nail it in cinema. Like there was a short film a while back which starred Nathan Fillion as the character. And Young it was like Nathan temp-
1: Fillion looks like Nathan Drake. Young Nathan but Fillion.
0: Yes, that's why everyone's like, "Oh, Nathan Fillion!" But no, he's way too old now. Nathan Fillion was the perfect age to play this role when the role wasn't even ex- in existence yet. Because Correct. It, like Firefly era Nathan uh, Nathan Fillion, perfect. Would that have was two thousand two. Yes, that would that was two thousand two. He was too old by this point, and I like him a lot. I just don't think it would have worked. Now, maybe if they had gotten the guy who played Sully in that short film, that could have worked easily.
1: But here is the thing: I again, he Mark Wahlberg might not be Sully, yeah, but he's a good Sully for Tom Holland. Stephen Drake, he's,
0: he's fine with him. I like that one part where uh, he they have to find the second keyhole for that cross thing and. Uh, what the two of them are are struggling in the water, and then Mark Wahlberg just walks in, and it's even if it's a product placement thing, it's it's funny. He goes,
1: "I'm literally standing in a Papa John's right now." Yeah, what do you want me to do? I'm literally standing in a Papa John's. That's and you know, good. Th- you you were afraid of that, but it played out like remember yeah. going in? But yeah, it, it played out fine. It yep. it was yeah, it might it wasn't like Walmart and the stupid little freaking <laughs> marshmallow like <laughs> massacre. Like what the hell was that?
0: Even though I thought I thought this was better than Afterlife, but I didn't hate Afterlife. I know I know how you feel about it. So no, let's, no, 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 no. Afterlife
1: let's, is not let's a get movie. Out,
0: let's, that, it, it, it is a movie by definition. Let's no, get it. I
1: just it, it terrorized my life for two hours.
0: Let's get into the debate. So we have an interesting debate today because uh, there was a trailer that was released this past week uh, for Baz Luhrmann's upcoming musical biopic Elvis, uh, which is based on Elvis Presley. Um, I was. Way too young to get into really any of Elvis's music. I am aware of Elvis's as a musician, as a performer, as an actor and everything, but I have watched the trailer like six times at this point because I'm
1: so fascinated by what this movie looks like, and I didn't think I would. Back in the day during my theater career, mm-hmm. I've done two musicals that are based on Elvis Presley. Really? All shook up. Which is Elvis music. Yes. And Bye Bye Birdie, which is loosely based on Elvis, but it's its own original music and doesn't have Elvis music. Anyway.
0: Yeah, so this one is coming out in June and the first trailer dropped for it, as I said, directed by Baz Luhrmann, who's done some musical stuff in the Past, He's did Moulin Rouge, which is a sort of uh, I love that movie. jukebox sort of musical romance film. Uh, he's done a lot of sh- uh, some Shakespeare. He did Romeo and Juliet, uh, the modern version with Leo mm-hmm. DiCaprio and Claire Danes. Great movie. Australia with Hugh Jackman and Nicole Kidman, I believe. And then The Great Gatsby with Leo DiCaprio and your favorite actor, Toby Maguire. Hated it. Really? I walked out of the theater. Wow. I didn't I, like it. I've never walked out of a theater in my life. Out of I did
1: I did for that and The Amazing Spider-Man.
0: Okay, well, that's I, I was not expecting either of those to be honest with you.
1: I've gotten older and has uh, I've loosened my grip on right, the amazing well, experience.
0: Well, I hope you don't walk out of Elvis because this looks very fascinating because it's got uh, the two. I mean, the two leads that everyone's talking. He about also right now. did
1: Grand Budapest, didn't he? No, Grand that Budapest.
0: was Wes Anderson. Oh,
1: dang it. I get yeah. those two
0: confused because they both do crazy. Anyway, go ahead. So Tom Hanks is in the movie. He plays uh, Colonel Tom Parker, who I believe was Elvis's manager. And then, of course, Elvis is being played by Austin Butler, who I told you before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw him many times on the Disney Channel and Nickelodeon as a kid. And I'm very like fascinated to see that he got this role over a number of actors like... From what I'm reading here, Ansel Elgort, uh, Miles Teller, Aaron Taylor Johnson, and Harry Styles, which that would have been crazy if a musician would have gotten the musician role. But he, he I, judging from the trailer alone, the guy really nails a lot of what elvis looked and sounded like
1: look man as far as trailers are concerned i don't know if there's a rating scale for just trailers mm-hmm. but i'd give it a five out of five for trailers it's a pretty solid one i mean i haven't seen the movie yet but i love the art style i love the production design i love what i'm seeing from what's, what's the guy's name uh the guy playing elvis yeah austin butler and he hasn't really done anything big right like this is like his first, uh like, he major. was well
0: some of his roles that he was in uh the the First time I saw him in, in a big movie was he played Tex in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He wanted the Manson killers at the end, and uh, his what happens to him in the movie? You got to see it to believe, my friend. All right, but uh, he again. I'm reading all the stuff that he was in as a child actor. Drake and Josh, you know Hannah Montana, iCarly, and all that. The, yeah, the, but he's
1: this is the first time he's starring in like a big vehicle. right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And this is like a this is a pretty like this was notable years ago when he got. Uh, the role, what was it, back in uh, 2019, yes, 2019. And I remember, like, seeing the casting news up to that point. I'm like, oh, I hope he gets it, because I remember him, and I hope he makes it big. And now it looks like he's making it big. Because before this, uh, he was most noted for dating um, Vanessa Hudgens for a long time, Mm -hmm. the girl from High School Musical. Who I
1: thought was Selena Gomez the other day. Oh,
0: my God, we were talking about uh, Tick, Tick, Boom, and you you thought, Ladies
1: and gentlemen, let me tell you something. I... I, I study filmmaking, I, I make videos, I'm a co-owner of a video production yes. company, but I am terrible with names. I am absolutely horrible with names.
0: Clearly. It's bad. Anyway. The trailer uh, has gotten 10 million views in five days from its release on the Warner Brothers YouTube channel. Yeah, and it's good. People are, people are I mean, interested. Hell, the
1: AdSense from the trailer alone will fund the marketing campaign.
0: <laughs> Uh, I mean, there's other names in it, too. You got um, some people that I've, I've heard of before. I mean, Richard Roxburgh, Luke Bracey, uh, Cody Smith-McPhee, and then I think there was one in here that I it doesn't matter. The main two you're looking for is Tom Hanks and Austin Butler. So this looks like, and I don't want to judge a movie before it comes out, but this kind of looks like it's in the same vein of a genre that's kind of sprouted up in the last few years in Hollywood, which which is epic musical biopics. mm mm-hmm. uh, We've gotten two notable ones, to my knowledge. There's been ones in the past, you know, like Ray, Notorious, 8 Mile, which is sort of like a, a scripted narrative because it's supposed to be about like when Eminem was coming up, and but it's like about uh, Jimmy B. Rabbit. It's
1: still a great freaking movie. Oh, it's though. awesome,
0: but it's not like, it wasn't explicitly Eminem the movie. Right. And basically. Yeah. Uh, so this one uh, follows the same vein as two movies that we're going to be debating today. Mm-hmm. The two that have come out in the last few years that really got the ball rolling in terms of musical biopics are your pick, which is... Rocket Man. Rocket Man. Story of Elton John. And my pick is the one that I think really got the ball going mm-hmm. is in terms of blockbuster for these, Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes. So it's Elton John versus Queen.
1: Now, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. 90% of the population is going to agree with you. Okay. You think so? That Bohemian Rhapsody is a better movie. But I have bias here, okay. And my bias is Elton John is my favorite musical artist of all time, he is number one. Really, the ironic part is the I think it's Rolling Stones are number two, okay, and Eminem is number three. So that just shows you my different taste of music. Um, it's just because they're all legends in their own right you know, now, yeah. Go ahead, Bohemian Rhapsody, yeah, is a more serious take, and Rami Malik. Does a fantastic job at playing Freddie Mercury. Won the Best Actor Oscar. Well deserved. Even though I'm boycotting the Oscars this year, when he won it, <laughs> well deserved. He sounded like Freddie. He acted like Freddie. He had the spirit of Freddie Mercury. Mm-hmm. But Taryn Egerton, okay, the hard work and dedication that he put in to playing Elton John went unnoticed. And it makes me upset because, yes, Rami Malik was fantastic. Fantastic as Freddie Mercury, but the movie itself, Bohemian Rhapsody does bore me a lot. I'm sorry. It's okay. boring. Okay. It's, it's the story of queen and there are some just cinematic, just beautiful moments. Like I told you before we went into the podcast, one of my favorite moments of Bohemian Rhapsody is when they're in the cabin writing Bohemian Rhapsody and yes. that whole sequence. I love it. Love it. Love it. And I wish the movie was more of that. Rocket man gives you that almost every other scene. Okay, where you have dialogue and you have talking scenes, but it feels more like a musical and it has this larger than life uh, persona about it because that's that's who Elton John is. Right. He is the larger than life. He is the eccentric. He was taken advantage of by his agent. He was in a toxic relationship. Um, He did become a famous musician at a time where, you know, he was gay and that wasn't an acceptable thing. He had a strained relationship with his family but it was very truthful, right? And it was told in a very eccentric LSD acid trip way. And I love the, I love the musical numbers. I love the scene where he's seen, he sings Saturday night. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, I love when he's on stage. Uh, it was at Yankee stadium, um, Dodger stadium, Dodger stadium. And he does that. And then I love uh the, your song sequence. Um, I love, I love the uh, Benny and the Jets sequence when he's, uh, uh, doing, uh goes into him doing drugs and everything. Mm-hmm. I love that it was so truthful with his like, his drug use and him coming out of it. And it, it just had a happy ending at the end. And what I love was Taron Egerton and Elton John are like best friends in real life because they met on set of Kingsman. Right. And that was when the movie was in the works. And um, Elton John, like, Coached him to sing these songs throughout the whole way. Like it, I just I love the art style of Rocket Man. I love Taron Egerton as Elton John. I love how truthful he was. I love how fun he was, and I just love Elton John. So I am sticking with Rocket Man. Okay, I'm well,
0: sticking with it. Well, first of all, I'm looking at a ton of historical inaccuracies that Rocket Man had. But, I, but here's Elton the thing: John I wanna, wrote it. I want to I want to take historic historical accuracy off of the table for this debate.
1: Yeah, it, it has to be
0: because the, the uh, one of the two major criticisms that i am aware of with bohemian rhapsody is that oh it's it doesn't tell a truthful story i'm like very rarely do these stories ever actually truly get told right i i couldn't even tell you the most truthful biopic in terms of a musical artist and if and if it is the most truthful it doesn't mean it's the best movie bohemian rhapsody to me is a fantastic uh, chronicling of the story of Freddie Mercury and the development and rise of Queen, who, by the way, is my favorite music gr- musical group of all time. Really? So we're kind of at, uh, this is more of a musical debate, music debate than that anything is, else. That is a
1: movie debate, yeah. Yeah, because... Well, both movies fit both styles.
0: <laughs> I, I agree, and I think that Bohemian Rhapsody lends itself to have better utilization of Queen and its songs more than uh, Elton John's songs is in Rocket Man because Rocket Man doesn't... Yeah, but it
1: uses Rocketman uses the music at the time that it was written. Yes. And uses it to tell the story. I mean, it really so does. does. So does Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. All right. And the thing with Rocketman is
0: I think what it fails to do compared to what Bohemian Rhapsody does, I already knew the story of Queen, but I was able to get more engaged with all the elements around it, the songs, the performances. I didn't know much about Elton John going in, and after that I'm just like, "Okay, I learned that he was the guy that sang Saturday Night because I did not know that he sang Saturday before. Your
1: song, it's a little bit funny. Is that, is that what it's called? That's a, Saturday, yeah, it's called your Saturday, song. Well, Saturday. That, well, Saturday Night. Is that, yeah. what's, the, what's the name of the song? Saturday Night, and then in parentheses, It's Alright for Fighting. Oh my God, okay. Uh, yeah, but
0: my point is that I think Bohemian Rhapsody, it's second biggest criticism is that people are like, oh, it's just a by the numbers, you know, standard biopic. I feel like, Rocket Man is the same thing other than just a couple of LSD No, Bohem-
1: Bohemian Rhapsody is more of a biopic, whereas uh, Rocket Man more of a musical. Okay. Because uh, Bohemian Rhapsody has music in it, but it, that, that's not what tells the story. Mm-hmm. The difference is Rocket Man, and say what you want, it doesn't mean one's better than the other. It's just style of movie. Yeah. Rocket Man is a musical movie, right? Because it has the big dance breaks. It has the big musical numbers. It, it has the full soundtrack of just the Elton John song sung by Taron Egerton. You know what I mean? Like... Tell me something, in Bohemian Rhapsody, how many Queen songs are actually, like, breakaway musical numbers? Breakaway musical numbers? Yeah, breakaway musical numbers. But I don't think that's necessary for the story. It's not, I'm I'm just asking. Like, it's just different, Uh, it's different style. Other than Bohemian Rhapsody, like, everything else that Queen sings, it's just kind of told in montage, or just because they're in a concert, and, like, it's not necessarily, they don't sing the full song. Which is okay. That's okay. I'm not taking that away from it. Like, I'm not using that as an argument. The closest argument I think I could have is what I consider,
0: it's obviously the climax of the movie, and what I consider a better climax than your movie is the live-aid performance. The live-aid performance, they recreate the iconic 1985 showing that Queen had, which is one of their last notable major but they public did that in Rocket man with
1: Dodger Stadium yeah but it, I
0: didn't get that same excitement as well I because did.
1: it goes right into an LSD trip because he's really bad on drugs at that point
0: that's true but with Queen it's such a dynamic showing of that concert and it, and in a way it this is where it plays fast and loose with the history it makes you believe that Freddie Mercury was made aware of his AIDS diagnosis uh before the live a performance and that was going to be their last show it's obviously not but it it makes you feel so much more because that's like the last great remembrance of Queen. Yes. Yeah. And I think that that lends itself better to entertainment more than whatever happens in Rocket Man.
1: It's weird because both bands, well, Elton John and Queen. Mm-hmm. Didn't Elton
0: John have a band, or did he just go solo? Because some some solo artists have bands like Prince and the Revolution.
1: No, no, he's always been a solo act. Okay. He's worked with bands. Yeah. It's like Billy Joel. Billy Joel has a band, but it's Billy Joel. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, I got you. Um, they're both huge historical musical acts, Queen and Elton John, both, and they both have ramifications on history. They both have had their big moments throughout. They both, Freddie dealt with, AIDS, Elton dealt with the fact that he was gay yep. at a time where that wasn't accepted. Yes. Yeah. Both had interesting stories. Both had great lives. Both had very big flaws about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think both movies do a good job showing the flaws of both people, both Freddie Mercury and Elton John, because Elton John's thing, even if you know nothing about Elton John, you think Elton John, you go, Oh, addiction problem. Cause that's just, that was something he really struggled with. He overdosed like 12 times. Jeez. Um, he, uh, he was brought back to life once. And right. I like what they do. Um, I forget what song it is, but it's like he's in the pool drowning and he gets pulled back up because his best friend is like, no, you, you can't do this. Don't throw it all away. And then he sobers up, um, which fun fact, Elton John was Eminem's sponsor. Did you know that?
0: Is His, his sponsor? Oh, really? Yeah. They're,
1: they're like best friends in real life. Like he helped Eminem in it through his sobriety. Like, like fascinating. Yeah. And then the song, um, uh, ghetto gospel, uh, yeah. by Tupac, the yeah. a little side quest here, but, um. That was written before Tupac's death. He died. song never got produced. It was produced by Eminem, co-written then by Elton John, and Elton John does the the vocals on Ghetto Gospel with the Tupac rap. Anyway, it's interesting that you have Elton John, Tupac, Eminem all made a song after (laughs) Tupac died. Like, it's cool. Yeah,
0: the only thing I can think of with uh, Freddie Mercury is that he and uh, David Bowie got drunk at a bar and wrote the lyrics to – uh, Under pressure. Yeah, on a napkin or something like that. But th- that does, movie doesn't go into that. Those were the days. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I'm I, much more... I think, that, again, this is going to be more of an argument of biases because you love Elton John. You're going to love the Rocket Man movie. Well, I
1: love Queen too, but I just think I like Elton but John more. I, But I
0: love Queen so much, and I think the Queen movie does more to service the Queen fans and people who may not know Queen and want to get into it more than Rocket Man does for Elton John fans. Well... The thing, the way they uh, use the music in this movie is so much well, be- so much better done than just staging a whole bunch of musical numbers in Rocket Man.
1: Yeah, but I come from a musical theater background.
0: That's fine, and, that, and, and I that's don't. why I like it. And I don't. So, and
1: that's why ninety percent of the people are going to agree with you because it's they're not used to that. And my it, music of is arguably
0: like more influential because
1: there's so many hits in this movie. I mean, it's Freddie Mercury, dude. Of course, yeah. like Belton John's nothing to squawk at either. No, uh, I'm not saying it. that, but. but it, I think what Queen has in its favor is Queen has always been rock and roll. They have always been. Elton John runs way all over the place in musicals genre. He He's in pop, he's in rock, he's in jazz. He just did something with Lady Gaga years ago. Yeah, You know what I mean? He's all over the frickin' place. He's putting his voice wherever he wants to put his voice. And, you know, he got the... What makes him famous is really the big costumes, you know what I mean? The big elaborate things and the sunglasses and the peacock feathers and the high heels and all that kind of yeah. stuff. And him daring against society, but... I don't know. It just seems like he was always the one person that was able to get away with that, and everybody would just be like, yeah, it's Elton John, you yeah. know? And I think he laid the way for a different type of social revol- revolution, as Freddie Mercury led the way for his. I mean, you know, both openly game—well, wasn't Freddie—I'm sorry, I haven't watched Rock- uh, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody in a while. I have seen the movie, and I have seen Rocket Man. Yeah. I've seen both films. Um, but didn't—wasn't uh, Freddie Mercury less open about it? He wasn't— He
0: never—I don't think he ever—
1: Fully admitted, no, th- to that that he was gay. Whereas Elton John was very open and very transparent.
0: It's it's debatable. I mean, there's just literally a scene in the film where Freddie claims to be bisexual, and then his wife, played by Lucy Boynton, who I believe ended up dating Rami Malik, and they may they might be married now. I'm not sure. Uh, she says, "Freddie, you're gay," and then it, it's it's out it's it's up and down. And the movie did kind of get criticized for. What some consider to be kind of a sterile portrayal of his sexuality. I mean, there's things in the in the film where like he's, you know, going off to 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 have some fun with some guy in like a bar or like at a truck stop. It's at a truck stop, yeah. Yeah. Well, that you know who that guy was. No, that's Adam Lambert who... That's Adam Lambert?
1: It is. Whoa! Yeah, he's, uh, he's the lead singer for Queen. He's, yeah.
0: yeah, he's now the lead singer of Queen. I mean, he'll, like, perform with them when they go on tour and stuff and sometimes fill in because, obviously, Freddie is no longer with us. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I was like, oh, snap, that is that is Adam Lambert. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah he's from American Idol. Good for him. Yeah, every, everyone's like, oh, he should have won it that year. I can't remember who won that year. Anyway, I don't know. that's... I think that's where we're stuck on because I'm more in tune to Bohemian Rhapsody, you're more in tune to Rocket Man. I
1: mean, if you really want to get into it, if you want to say best movie, I'm going to tell you it's Bohemian Rhapsody. Well, there you go. So, <laughs> But I'm, if you're... I just think both movies fit both artists. Sure. Queen was very like socially pushing forward and very historical, whereas Elton John was very bright and vibrant. His movie, his biopic about him was very bright and vibrant oh. and full of music and full of life. And Queen's was very, like passionate and driven and 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 dreams and it tells a truthful story I I don't know I oh just, my, I'm looking at the numbers right I'm sorry look at the by the way I don't remember did
0: they ever play any Lion King songs in Rocket Man or is this no. before, uh, this is before Lion King
1: was the 90s most yes. of this movie I think that it ends like at the 90s because he already sobered up at that point and, yes yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah
0: yeah so which by the way I heard his um, version of can you feel the love tonight in a grocery store the other day <laughs> for the compared to the movie version I'm like this I, I don't I didn't I don't mean it now when I say this suck this freaking sucks because I'd heard the movie version so many times that I'm just like oh this isn't this isn't right where's the other voice well, Elton
1: John wasn't a lyrics no I know I, I, no no no
0: I but he was he worked on the music but like that was his version of the song and then there was the movie version yeah it's like when I heard again I don't want to bash this movie but the 2019 Lion King where uh you hear the opening "Circle of Life" song, and it's not the same as the '94 version. I'm like, "What is this?" Anyway, I was gonna say, I look at the numbers. "Rocket Man" on a budget of forty million dollars made 195 million, which is a, su- a successful release. Yeah, let call it successful. I didn't realize this made it much. The- "Bohemian Rhapsody" was made on a fifty to fifty-five million dollar budget. It made nine hundred eleven million dollars. Well, it
1: just shows there's a lot more Queen fans. I mean, out
0: obviously, there. yeah, and and and. Rocket Man was like a follow up to something like. The I think some
1: these movies came out around the same time, and I think something that a few uh, months apart, yeah, that makes me upset is Rami Malik gets all the credit for playing Freddie Mercury, but nobody yeah, ever talks about Taron Egerton as Elton John. I, I think, thought he did a fantastic Taron was job. Good, I just don't think. He he was I as think good it's as fantastic. Well, they're just different. Yeah, and it was a different story. Like. Yeah. It's told differently. You can't tell me Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody is a lot darker than Rocket Man. Um, Rocket Man has dark elements. See, but... see, people, you would think
0: that, but people I've heard criticize her for being too sterile in comparison to Rocket Man where I i, I forget. Does uh, it show more of the flaws of Elton, like his oh, drug problems? Oh, it shows a lot of yeah. that, yeah.
1: Okay. shows a very toxic relationship, yeah. too, that and, he had with his agent.
0: And I can't believe we, we've gone this long without bringing it up. Both of our movies were directed by the same person. What? That, sort of. So Dexter Fletcher is the guy who made Rocket Man, yeah. correct? So Dexter Fletcher uh, was announced as the replacement for the original director of Bohemian Rhapsody*. Do you remember who that was? Oh, no. It is an, it is one Brian Singer who uh, was fired three weeks before the film uh, was finished uh, due to uh, concerns about his behavior on set. Yeah, apparently, he had been fighting with Rami Malik and he was showing up late to the set. And So,
1: wait a minute. Dexter Fletcher came in three weeks towards the end of shooting? Yes. Okay, so he helped edit it together?
0: Yeah, he basically shot some, the rest of the film. And,
1: and he he led it through the rest of the production process? Yeah. And, and Oh, that's cool. Now, Dexter Fletcher gets the credit, right? Because no, he's the one that finished...
0: No. no? Uh, according to the Director's Guild of America, one director can be named for a film... And the DGA has sole control over who that will be. And even though Fletcher replaced Singer on the set um, with like two or three weeks left or whatever. um, It was announced in June 2018 that Singer would receive directing credit solely on the finished film. Fletcher received an executive producer credit. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of like when you hear those stories about like one guy directs a movie and then you always hear the stories of like, oh, so-and-so might have actually had a bigger role in making that film. Well, that's like when
1: Zack Snyder and Joss Whedon, right? Yeah. Because he came in to help finish it out. And then, and then years later, they made the Snyder Cut. Uh, yeah. So, but Zack Snyder got credit for directing, which he probably wish he didn't. for, oh, for that Lake, one? Oh, for that one, yeah. Even though Joss Whedon came in and finished the rest I, of no, it out. No, but,
0: but people know that's Joss Whedon's movie for most for the most part. Yeah. It's kind of, but like a good example is in Poltergeist. Toby Hooper, who also did uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and other stuff. By the way, his new Texas Chainsaw Massacre that's on Netflix. I got to watch that. Um... He directed the movie officially. there's always been a rumor that Steven Spielberg, who was a producer credited on the film, might have had more of a directing uh, role than he, it was let on
1: huh but, but we don't know. but you know what I'm happy Spielberg's back in his glory with uh, West Side Story right okay, now yeah, good for him yeah Isn't good he, for him. What,
0: what's he doing next He's doing a um, uh, he's doing a movie for DC I think um, Black Bolt I think Spielberg yeah he's doing something. He's doing something. Uh, Let me look this
1: up. He is such an enigma to me. He has had such an interesting career.
0: Lengthy career, man.
1: Lengthy and interesting. I mean, think about the work he's done. It's all so different from each other. Hmm. Yeah, 1941, and you tell me that it's the same guy who directed, uh, uh, let's just say AI,
0: right? Yeah. you keep bringing up 1941. We'll do
1: 1941. I at some like point. that movie. I know it's so you do. Good. I
0: know you do. We'll do it at some point.
1: It, it almost ended Columbia Pictures. Maybe
0: we'll, uh, <laughs> maybe we'll do 1941 versus <laughs> 1917.
1: Dude, 1941 was like the most expensive movie. Like. Of its era. Oh. It about bankrupted Columbia. Are you sure? 1941? Let's see here. Dude, they want... $35 mil-
0: million. That's a, That's a sizable budget for way 1979. Way over budget. And there was that.
1: reshoots, and they, yeah. they hired every star that was in Hollywood to make an appearance in the movie. Yeah, and it it's like really it. funny, but it was marketed wrong. It's a comedy, and it was marketed as an action film, yeah. and it bombed at, okay. the, at, the, at the box office. So we could do like a, an episode of years. That's why Lucas had to save Spielberg. His career was shot after that. Okay, they saved each other at different points of their career. It's so fascinating of their friendship. Okay, Um, and then the way they both let both of the divorces go at Temple of Doom is so freaking dark. Yeah, I know. It's just crazy the parallel between them and how they like how Lucas had like no career and Spielberg saved him, and then Spielberg got got destroyed after 1941, and how. Terrible, that movie did. How almost bankrupted Columbia Pictures. Huh. And Lucas hired Spielberg to direct, because originally Lucas was going to direct Raiders of the Lost Ark.
0: Yeah, he had the idea for Indiana Jones for what right. he's called, Indiana Smith, yeah.
1: And then he he hires Spielberg to do it, and he says, listen here, you go a day over a production and a dime over budget, and you're done. Like, this is me helping you. Mm-hmm. And that's why that movie has so many flaws, but it's so great at the same time. He just completely resurrected Spielberg. Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gill wrote that film. Interesting. Uh, oh, yeah. It's, it's good, though. Okay, It's good. Like, I'm telling you, Mitch, like, right. you will have fun watching it. Okay. It is a giant-scale production. Like, they rented planes. They crashed a plane, a real plane. Like, and at the time, it was so expensive to make. So expensive. All right, well. Think about $35 million in, what is, 1980 or 1970? What was the year that came out? 1979. uh, So think about inflation rate, how much that movie actually cost in today's money.
0: Inflation calculator. um, Let me see. 35, let's say, how many zeros are in 35? 50,000, 10,000, 100,000 million. That's three point five million. It's got to be this one, uh, from nineteen seventy nine to twenty twenty one. We got to wrap this up soon. Uh, <laughs> Thirty five million in nineteen seventy nine equals one hundred and forty four million dollars in twenty twenty two. Now, granted that there are some movies that like are just eh that get made for one hundred oh, million. oh, he was blacklisted, million.
1: man. No studio would, blacklisted would touch him for
0: like two years. He- and then he got back on track. He with didn't Raiders. know he was getting back on track. I I know, but anyway, I think he would have been. I think he would have been fine. They would have le- eventually let him direct a movie again. And I mean, I think his work. I think when he was working on Jaws is probably when he was like, "Oh boy, I'm 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 dead in the water." Anyway, this wasn't the Spielberg episode. This him was and Lucas broke the the Jaws puppet. Bruce, yeah, yeah, they named broke a- into named after. Oh. Uh-huh. Spielberg's lawyer oh okay okay so yeah we got to wrap this episode up thank you guys for listening once again uh, Spotify Apple podcasts and anchor you can listen to us there on Twitter at Mitch Spinell at Mikey the film guy answer the poll uh, answer the question that we have on Spotify who won this debate and I'm sorry if I've been clicking and clacking this uh, little plastic thing the whole time you might have heard that during the episode I'll stop doing that next week but uh, (laughs) thank you all so much for listening and we'll see you next time bye